And those things are helpful, right? Like reading the book is helpful, but it's it's only helpful for a short period of time unless we're taking the information and we're practicing it, it. and mm-hmm. we're feeling it, right? So you want to identify the change. You want to take action to make the change and you want to feel the change. This, the fee, the th- step three is the one that is missed because we believe that the only thing is like, we got to feed the brain. But the, you guys, the brain is just the organ. It's just the organ. It's going to follow wherever your awareness is dwelling. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with Coach Beege and uh, Assistant Coach Clark. And we're here to smack down um, our monthly show. And it's not really Ask the YTs, except for the fact that we're always in inquiry because we didn't take questions this month. We just didn't put it out there. But we've got plenty to talk about, and we're just going to start wrapping on that. But before we do, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we are really loving... The yoga classes with you guys, it's the cool, one of the coolest things in the whole world is when we see people in the waiting room and we welcome you guys in. And then maybe Beej and I, like class hasn't started yet. We might be in the kitchen or something and we hear you guys talking to one another. And it's just, it's super cool. We really, when we say we love you, we love you. Um, we love that you're a part of this mission, a part of this community, that we get to breathe together, that we get to move our bodies together and we get to train our minds together. So cool. Um, we're loving it. If you're curious about it, get over to patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. And, uh, for $10 a month, you get two, two classes a week, which is, I don't know. I think that's kind it's of a, pretty awesome. It's like it's kind of a screaming deal. So let's dive in. What are we diving into, Chief? Well, there's a lot. There's a real, uh, uh, any number of things that we can talk about. I mean, we can slip mics on ourselves any day and we have, you know, deep conversations. So I, I like that we didn't take any questions this month. I think it's, it's just going to flow. We have so much, to, so much to talk about. Let's start about, let's start talking about your race. Um, okay. Because races are happening. Races are happening. Okay? I mean, I think. I think, you know, Ironman, obviously, well, they are happening. So to say that they're not happening is actually false because they're happening over in Europe, right? Has there been any Ironman not races Ironman, yet? But there are races. There's been triathlons going on and endurance races. There's been 50Ks yep. and 100Ks. Yep, yep. Trail races. And they've, you know, the, I think the trail community has really figured out a way to do this safely. So I've got a 30K this weekend. And uh, it's an out and back course. Starts in Newport Beach. There's three waves. There is uh, two waves for the 50K and they're 10 minutes apart. And then the 30K goes 10 minutes after that. And that, that rolling start, especially also coupled with the fact that it's a really small participant field. I think there's maybe 15 or 20 of us doing this race. So Kira, and I, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I think it's Henninger, Kira Henninger, who is race director for some of the most iconic races like Sean O'Brien here on the West Coast, has figured out a way to keep the trail community on the trails. And so I get to be a part of that this Saturday. I'm really excited. And after my experience at Bryce, Bryce Canyon, uh, I, I mean, there's just zero hesitation for me to get out there and be a part of this. And I think she's, she's just the example of somebody who was like, okay, well, we can't do this. What can we do? And I think that that idea of like, what can we do is, is 
it's everything. It's everything to navigating, you know, sensations in our body and problems in our head. Like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And that keeps us in the solution. So I'm excited to get out there for um, a 30K. I've been wanting to do a trail race that's not an ultra. I've actually been um, curious about that for a couple of years now. And now I get the opportunity to do that because I think it'll be just, I mean, who knows, right? It's a trail race. So um, if you look at what a 30K is, it's what, 18.6 miles. So we'll see what the final distance is. Yeah, I think it's, um, I know he's moving the mic. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes he presses camera. his head. I know. Um, wedges it in there. So, but she, has she had these races going on no, no. before the pandemic or no? No, no, it's called running is not closed. Okay. So that's new, brand new, started Seems like it, in yeah. April, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I don't know when it started. I It didn't start in April. I think it was, I think maybe the beginning of July was the first oh, okay. one. Yeah. Or end of June, but yeah, she got to it and and uh, I'm thinking we'd, I'd like to dive in with her someday on the podcast so we'll, we can get all the, the scoop behind it. So you're doing the 30K? Yeah. But you're originally doing... I was originally signed, signed up, up for the 50K, yeah. So, so this is the first time happened? I've dropped a distance. <laughs> well, I would say like uh, mid-May, uh, I went out for, I don't even know, it's, it's, it's not very memorable, uh, but... I remember feeling some heel sensation after a run. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then that was it. I tapered down for Bryce, did Bryce, and came off of that really well and never felt it again. And then I would say maybe a couple of weeks after Bryce, we were, our, our plan for me was to keep the engine going, stay fit, um, but to keep the long run and we were keeping a long run. We were kind of building that back up. We were keeping that long run between 10 and 15 miles a week, uh, which is a really nice level of fitness. Cause then we can just throw the frosting on top when we get closer to a race. But what actually happened is that heel sensation came back and it's just this, it's like hot. It's like, it's like walking on coals and I'm not talking about, you know, where you, you know, at Tony Robbins, I'm saying like there's somebody has inserted a hot coal into my, my fatty heel pad. And, uh, yeah, it's just been hot. So I've been watching it and just so much gratitude around the work that I've done around sensation in the body. And taking it even to deeper levels. Pain is, pain is the greatest purifier. It's an incredible purifier. Um, those of us that are walking this path of spirituality, uh, we tend to have maybe a couple more nicks and coughs and hot spots than maybe somebody who's not feeling as much. Uh, and that really is just energy moving. So something is very deep in this heel and it's come to the surface and it's on its way out. So I celebrate that. I know that pain is good from a spiritual standpoint, but this experience has really made me realize, like, I know it's good. Like intellectually, I know it's good. It, and I know physiologically that the body is doing what it needs to do, creating inflammation, which is actually why the pain is, is there. It's that inflammation. And that's really painful and hot. And those are the things that I'm feeling. So I understand like it's good physiologically. It's good spiritually. That's what the yoga sutras say. 
But I've taken this opportunity to spend some more time putting it into my cells that it's good, like feeling that it's good, not just knowing that it's good, but feeling that it's good. Cause we know that the feeling is where the change occurs. Cause the feeling is, the feeling is everything. So we kind of watched it and it was, it wasn't really getting worse and it wasn't really getting better. Um, and then I went on a trail run a couple weeks ago and I just had this moment where I was like, okay, like it did get worse. It got really hot. It got really painful. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like that's, I kind of hit that sucks enough moment. So I came home after that run and I took a week off from running and, but still strength, swimming, yoga. So staying fit and strong for sure, meditating more. So the time that I'm not spending two, three hours, hour and a half, whatever it is on the trail, I'm meditating more because meditation is going to get me physiologically into that healing nervous system, which is going to assist me. It's also going to open me up to a higher state of being. And a higher state of being, I think, has so much to do with your success in healing injury. So I reached out to Dave too, because I thought, okay, let's get our PT guy. Yeah, our PT guy. Like, let's get let's get the pit crew together. And um, because what I was doing was not like it was kind of stuck. And so you gotta do the work. Like you gotta tend to it. And um ice was feeling good and massage was feeling good and all that stuff, but it just kind of hadn't gone away. So I took a week off from running and um, but nothing really changed. However, my attitude was like, well, it came on so quick, it's going to leave so quick. And I noticed in that week that I took off, although the physical symptoms didn't really subside, I had more moments. This is one of the beautiful things about present moment awareness. I was aware of more moments where I wasn't thinking about it. I was aware of more moments of getting up in the middle of the night or getting out of bed in the morning and not thinking about, oh, that precursor to the heel hitting the ground. So that's People will ask, how do you know when something's healed? How do you know? And it's like, you know, when you're not thinking about it anymore, that's when you know it's really healed, right? Like, do you think about like, an, I don't know, like an injury you had in high school? No, because it's healed, right? So you don't think about it anymore. Right. Um, and then last weekend I was walking through the the living room and it just hit me like, yeah, it's, it's healing. Like I just got that knowing, like it's healing because I'm thinking about it less. And we went out for a run and it was, it wasn't even there. It was completely gone. This was two days ago. And, uh, and I went out today, did a longer run today and it was there. But, um, so I dropped down to the 30 K cause that just felt better. So I meditated on it and, you know, I can ibuprofen my way through a 50 K. Like I can push through. I've got, you know, I'm tough. I can do it. Uh, but is that what I want to do? Is that what feels, is that what my higher intelligence is guiding me to do? And I felt like I was being guided to drop down. And I think in 18, 19 or 20 mile run, whatever it ends up being this weekend, like I feel like that's totally in my wheelhouse. I can go out. I can have a lot of fun. I can see what I've got in the engine. And then I, you know, I don't have to crawl out of such a deep hole, which I was really feeling intuitively like the 50K was asking a lot. I could have done it. Sure. But for us athletes, you know, and this does not apply to the people who are having trouble getting off the couch or out the door, but for the majority of us, like, it's not always about like 
I didn't want to do it and I did it anyway. It's not always about that. Oh, the pushing through. Yeah, it's not yeah. always about, sometimes it's like, I didn't want to do it and I didn't do it. And right. I sat so the, with that. That's that's the experience you're going to have here. You just said you never have gone down in race distance. Like yeah. You've never done it. But I've never n- done it. But now you have. Yeah, it feels good. So it, it, that's just, it's just so, it's gold. Well, the interesting thing is I got the email from Kira saying, hey, no, no problem. I'll drop you down today. And I left it open. I just inquired. I said, is it, I said, uh, I sent her an email and I said, hey, I'm, I'm loving an opportunity in my foot recently. And I'm wondering if it's possible to drop to the 50K. I didn't say I want to drop. I didn't say don't drop me until I say, I didn't, I just put it out there and I thought, well, let's just see what I'm creating, you know, behind the scenes here. And she came back and was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll drop you down. Like she took care of it for me. So I was like, oh, there's the ease. So it was out of your hands. You just let, you allowed whatever. Yeah, I just allowed whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it just, and so that, that day I told you that I got that email back from her and then we went out for the run and I felt nothing. And you were <laughs> right. like, that's interesting. Like you take the pressure off and all of a sudden the foot is like, you know, got its pom-poms and, and it's cheering. What's so great about that is <laughs> it's not the, it's not like, it's not pressure, pressure. And you weren't even putting pressure on yourself, but subconsciously, maybe in the back of your mind, it's like, oh, I got to get this 50K in. And even if you're not bringing it to the surface, maybe you were, but I love that because pressure doesn't have to be like in your face. It doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I have all this pressure. I told people on social media, I'm going to do this race. Uh, I put all this energy out there and now I feel guilty because I have to down downgrade my Yeah, there was my not distance. my experience at all. Right. So it, that's what's so great about it. Like it doesn't, <laughs> the level, you're like any uh, any other athlete out there with pressure. You're like Michael Jordan, same. Oh my God. I, not in this case, but in so many so cases, many I put so much pressure. I've got pressure on myself right now. Like right. this podcast has to be really good. It's going to be better than anyone right. you've ever put out. But the point is <laughs> where others would have it all consuming of them, you're able to distance yourself between noticing that, yeah, I'm putting some pressure on and maybe this is just a little release that I need and there's no wrong or right. It just feels good in it, the moment, right? It just has everything to do with getting quiet. Because, of course, when this started, like, two weeks ago when I walked, came off the trail that day and was like, yeah, like, I'm good. Like, that sucked enough. Okay, let's let's shift and see if there's a new avenue that will, you know, allow this to lift, um, give it the space that it needs. But, and the, the, the logic, the intellect came in and said, you don't even have... The tr- like it's stupid for you to go out and do a 50k. You don't even have the training to do a 50k. And then the other part is going, yeah, but you just like you've you're so strong and you've got 50. Mi- you just did this 50 mile and like you've been training for you know 14 years. And, like you've got what it. And then the other one's going, yeah, but that's stupid and you shouldn't do it. And I was like, whoa. So I just let that whole good wolf bad wolf argument happen. And I came home and and I like I get quiet. I get in because that's when the higher intelligence is is really going to speak to me is maybe not in that moment, but it opens up the space to receive the message. And something was telling me, like, don't don't just drop the race. Don't drop the Why are you deciding? Well, that's the first reaction. It's like, well, I can't run the 50. I'm not going to do it. Nope. I'm not doing a race. <laughs> and I'm never going to run again. Ever. Oh, yeah. I hate that one, too. I had that one, too. <laughs> if this keeps coming up and I never heal. Yeah. What's it all for? Yeah. Who do you think you are? Just go 
just go get a job in a totally different field. Like you shouldn't even be doing what you're doing because if you're not an athlete, then how are you going to hold any cred in the environment? And, you know, and it's like, unworthiness. I've been really, really enjoying watching the mind as of late catastrophize things. I just go, okay, well, let's see what you got. And it's like, so it always ends up with us being homeless and not having enough food. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, 30 K ready to go for the weekend. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. And I just got a bike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've been running. I've been running. And you've been incorporating swimming into your light days just to keep the body moving. And you just got a bike. I did. So that to me sounds like triathlon. I know, doesn't it? (laughs) So interesting. Um, About six months ago, I just got this hit that I was going to get a bike. And so, but it wasn't the time. And um, I just kept like letting it in. Okay, what is it? What is it? Is it a road bike? Is it a triathlon bike? Like, what is it? Is it? Is it Iron Man again? Is that coming back in? And I just kind of let it grow and grow and grow. And I knew I wanted to get a canyon. So then I started the next step was maybe like three months ago. I started looking and then I emailed Brian over at Canyon. And I was like, hey man, like I'm getting back on the bike and here's what I'm looking at. What do you think? And, you know, just kind of taking those steps, knowing that when the time to pull the trigger came, like I'm ready to pull the trigger. I, you know me, BJ, like I don't do a lot of overthinking of things. Um, I might catastrophize like, you know, a professional, but I don't overthink things. I really don't. Um, and so, yeah, last Wednesday I was like, I'm going to order my bike. And so I found one that once we figured out the size and like really what I wanted and what my non-negotiables were, we found that the, actually the bike that, that is ended up being what they feel is a better fit for me was in stock. So I ordered it on Wednesday and two days later, boom. What can you say to the people that want to delay that process, though? It's hard for me to speak to that because... Well, you've experienced it through me. You know, I'm I'm pretty much have been that person in the past. So how do you sit? So, so does the process I go through have anything to do with how quickly you move? No. No, no. Like if somebody's delaying, it doesn't inspire me to not delay. I just, I stay in my own lane. And I think that that's, that's as far as like, if, if somebody's overthinking or they're delaying on something, like that's their lane and they need to stay in their lane. And, um, the only thing I would say is, you know, just get curious about that. Does it, does it serve you to delay? And I think that sometimes like, cause the mind wants to be lazy, right? It wants to know the rules. It wants to know that so-and-so has, you know, this degree and this certification so that it doesn't have to be an inquiry. It just wants to be lazy. The mind wants the rules so it can be lazy. And um, the only thing I would encourage is just to always stay in inquiry about, you know, am I delaying? Am I overthinking? Am I catastrophizing and buying into it? Or am I just kind of watching this all and know that, you know, there's no it's like if you're delaying on something, that doesn't mean that you're delaying on everything. So look at, so stop looking at where you're delaying and start looking at where you're not delaying and feel more of that. And know that 
every circumstance, every moment, every moment is a blank slate. So every circumstance is different, but you're going to have these tendencies, right? Because the mind likes to be lazy. So it's got the neural pathways. It's It wants to use the least amount, the brain, the organ, which is what captures your consciousness. The organ wants to be lazy. It's set up to be lazy. So we could say lazy or efficient, right? And so it always wants to go to the path of least resistance, So if just look at, you know, are you just be, stay in inquiry. That's what I would say. Look at what your habits are. Because I'll tell you right now, not overthinking and not delaying. I've definitely made a a lot of rash decisions. (laughs) I'd agree with that for sure. (laughs) Like, because there's that part of me that wants to be lazy, that just wants it done. So that's been my work. And so my work is is, um, you know, somebody who's delaying on something or overthinking something and they're getting stuck in that loop. Um, to get curious about it. Yeah. Just, just being inquiry about it. Just get curious about it. Is it serving you in this particular situation in this moment of your life? Is it serving you? Yeah. Don't drag the baggage of all the decisions that you did delay on with you into this present moment. Right. Leave them there. Like let's just work right here Right. right now. So what's one of the most exciting things about this new bike? What, like, what brings you joy about this bike? Be- that when I was a kid, I just loved riding a bike. I loved riding a bike. What kind of bike did you have as a kid? Um, I had a blue bike with a banana seat. I always had like, I always had a, um, like a hamney down, right? So I had this blue, I think it was my sister's and it had, it had like the, the you know, big, the hot Harley yeah, Davidson yes, totally. and, and the long seat. Yeah. And a super long seat it had the banana seat and it was a white seat and it was a blue bike and it had streamers on the side. And I believe it was my sister's and then it became mine cause I'm the baby in the family. And then, um, and then I went to a 10 speed and I was riding my brother's 10 speed and then I got my own bike and it was a purple and it was kind of like blingy. It was like purple sparkle 10 speed, but I was never fully in love with it because it was girl style. And I thought girl style was lame. Oh yeah. So it didn't have, it the, didn't have the, the bar kind of went down. Yeah, it went down. And so I kind of just, I didn't like, what? <laughs> I wasn't digging that. I thought that was lame. And so then I aborted that one. I was like, I just kind of abandoned it in the garage and I started wear, riding my dad's, he had a Takara 10 speed and my mom had one too, which probably would have fit me better, but it was girl style. And I thought that was lame. So I got on my dad's, you know, and it was like, my dad's like six feet tall. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my history of bikes and then mountain bikes and then road bike and then triathlon bike. And then the mountain bike becomes the commuter bike. And then, then I had no bike. And it was really the, the last two and a half years have been the only time my whole life as you know, that I haven't had a bike because like my first bike was a trike was a red tricycle (laughs) and streamers and the whole thing. And I had a, um, and I had a big wheel. (laughs) Freaking love that thing. So I loved to, because I've always loved to go fast. Like I remember on my big wheel, I would get to the top of like the steepest hill and I would put my feet like up on the, on the, um, the handlebars or whatever it's called. And, uh, and I would just cruise down as fast as I could. And so I'm excited to get back to something that I loved as a child. And I think that I, everyone should do that. What did you love as a child? 
Because, you know, we came, we came into that. Was, that's such a pure joy. So I'm excited to get back to that. And I'm excited to get back on a road bike. So I got a road bike. Well, even the... Not a triathlon bike. Not a tri bike. Yeah. But even the way you describe the first few bikes you had, they're just, they're colored bikes. It really wasn't a brand name, right? You can't even recall the brand name. I'm sure you could search for it. But the way that you described your first three bikes was just the color. Yeah. How simple is that? How, how like, basic, mm. right? It doesn't matter the brand, doesn't matter whatever, the things that we can indulge the mind with. Let's go back to that. And just as the sure physical appearance and what does it do? It simply just brings you joy and happiness to, yeah. and, and, and the a joy and happiness of going fast in your case. Yeah. One of the things I love to do is to go fast and relax when I'm going fast. So whether that's running on the trail or like, but like when you're going fast and, you know, things could be out of your control. I love to relax. How did Bob that. put it? C- calm, controlled uh, power. Remember we were talking about power? Power under control. Power under control. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Power under control. <clears throat> so the bike is built. We're just waiting for the yeah, pieces. Because when you give away everything, you give away everything. <laughs> so. Yeah, I gave away everything, including like the... I had an awesome Smash Fest kit that fit really good, but I was like, nope, and this is me. Like, this is rash Jess, right? Like, the bikes goes, everything's got to go. The helmet's got to go. The shoes has got to go. The cycling shocks have to go. The kit has to go. Everything's got to go. Because I think, why hang on to it when I could just give it all away and maybe it'll land in the lap of somebody who wouldn't be able to have a Smash Fest super awesome, you know, hummingbird kit. And now they do. And so, um, yeah, so I had to get a few, you got to get a, how to get a couple things. Yeah, it just doesn't stop at at clicking that (laughs) send button to buy the bike online. There's a lot of pieces and components that go in place. Cages and tubes and cartridges and lights, pedals and lights, helmets, sunglasses and cleats and sunglasses and a helmet and a kit. And then I'm going to have to get my own squirrels cycling sev. Yeah, I don't think we can share that. <laughs> no, we're not sharing that. <laughs> no. You stay in your own lane. Stay in your own lane with that one, buddy. So when's the, fir- when's the maiden ride? I don't know. Uh, I think we're going to wait for I think we're cleats. Next couple of days. So I'm feeling Thursday, Friday will be prior to this launching. This will launch on Monday. So I already have that uh, virgin ride out of the way. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Um, it's exciting. And I feel so, I think anytime you make a big purchase like that, you know, at least this is how I look at it. When I make a big purchase like that, it's about, you know, being in alignment, feeling abundant, feeling really good, being in that joy. Cause if you don't feel that way, don't spend the money. You're always going to have that feeling attached to that. Yeah. So experience. If yeah. your delay is that you don't want to spend the money or you feel uncomfortable about it. And I totally get this. Take that time between right now and the purchase to get yourself aligned. Go look in the world for evidence of abundance. Feel it in yourselves. You got to feel it. You can know it, but knowing is like awareness, right? It changes nothing. You have to practice it. You ha- it has. You have to become it. You want abundance? Become abundance. You want presence? Become presence. You want to nail that yoga pose? Become the yoga pose. Don't just settle for being in the yoga pose. Be it. 
Be the, and that's ultimately what yoga teaches us. Don't read the book about the yoga pose. Actually practice. Yeah. And be in it. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. So important. I, I think we get caught up in the, the laziness. The mind wants the, yeah, the, here's I what think we need to do. If you want to be certified coach, this is the, what you, the steps that you need. And here you go. Here's your certification. Done. There's so much more. There's so much more out there. Yeah. And those things are helpful, right? Like reading the book is helpful, but it's, it's only helpful for a short period of time unless we're taking the information and we're practicing it, it. and mm-hmm. we're feeling it, right? So you want to identify the change. You want to take action to make the change and you want to feel the change. This, the feet, the th- step three is the one that is missed because we believe that the only thing is like, we got to feed the brain, but the, you guys, the brain is just the organ. Mm-hmm. It's just the organ. It's going to follow wherever your awareness is dwelling. Is it mood follows action? I don't know. Action follows mood. Mood follows action. So take action, make the change, feel it. So you feel good about the bike. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be fun. fun. I think it's going to be fun because we'll get to ride together. Yeah. I do a lot of my rides alone. Yeah, my Z4 days and your Z1 Uh, days. That's all perspective. (laughs) I just want to do some hill repeats on Torrey Pines. I want to do all this. I'm sick of hearing about the ride. (laughs) Sick of hearing about it. I want to be the ride. You want to get some six, seven, eight thousand feet of elevation. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. We can, we can do that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. All right, so uh, you've got a massive scar on your forehead. <laughs> it looks really awesome. I think it looks really cool, and I feel like it's it says something in Sanskrit. Aborigine or Sanskrit. <laughs> I don't know what it says. I literally have been like trying to find the Sanskrit symbol for what is on your head. But what's uh, what's going on? Everybody assumed that you crashed your bike, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that really. goes to show like we've got some fear around the bike, people. Right. Yeah, that never even comes into my awareness. <laughs> we this might want to work on that. That's why you know sometimes I'm hesitant to put stuff out there because um, some a lot of this stuff never comes into my awareness. But yeah, I have a big scar on my forehead. I, I don't even know how many stitches, but uh, I had a process, a procedure Keep done. Keep talking. I'm going to count the stitches on Tuesday, uh, which had been long time coming. Uh, I had a a basal cell, uh, in, on my forehead, which, you know, I was curious about, I would say two years ago and never really got it checked until three months ago. And when we checked it, uh, it came back and it said, um, they said that it needed to be removed. So this has got to go, this has got to go. And they can't really tell you how big or how long it's going to take. You know, they just, what they do is they slice it off and they test it and make sure uh, that it's clear. And once it's, or they test it until it's clear. So once it's clear, then they close up the stitch. You're actually They're talking whole, about the surgery you had. The surgery. Yeah. Yeah. They, so I had to go into a, a procedure at the walk-in, I don't, not a walk-in. I don't know. Just the medical center. Drive some drive. I don't know. I haven't been to these <laughs> places. I haven't been to a hospital or. I feel like COVID's made everything super efficient though. Super efficient. Yeah. It's like cool. I have no clue about this stuff. So, you know, you do the appointment online, you know, you talk to the doctor, uh, you send in photos of what it is. So it's really convenient and booked my appointment and went there by myself. And 
they injected some Novocaine into my forehead in the area and they just started cutting um, or slicing away. And I went through three rounds before that was cleared. So there was no cancer in the, in the cell. And then they had this big hole that they needed to close up. I wish they got a picture of it. I know. You know, well, this is, this is, this is an important part is the whole mindset behind it because it's a very visual place. It's like on your forehead. And when I was going into the operation or actually when I got out of it, I started to become very aware of people on social media and walking around that have perfect foreheads. And I would say I didn't see one person that had a disfigured forehead. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute here. Is everybody's forehead perfect? And I'm going to have an imperfect forehead. Like of all places to have this, it's like in the most visual place. And, you know, that doesn't last long. It's just cur- it's the mind being curious about it. I knew that this is serving a higher purpose, you know, back to what you were talking about with delay. I'm working that karma out and it took me longer to get it checked. And, and this is part of my karma. This is, I need to, to work on this. And, you know, sitting in that chair, um, was an experience that taught me, um, about patience and calm and how far I've come in this whole process of, of allowing. Because I feel like that's really what I'm working on is allowing and whatever it is that shows up to, to work and navigate my way through it um, moment to moment. I'm sitting in that chair and they're injecting that stuff in and I can feel them slicing. And, you know, I had the mask on and they have got this big cloth over my head with a hole cut out where they're, where they're actually working on it. And as they cut a piece off and get it tested, they had a cauterize, I think it's called, the the veins, I guess, that were starting to bleed because it's a very, um, it's, it's a spot where there's the blood head, flow. The head bleeds a yeah. lot. And me specifically, he asked if I took blood thinners or I was on anything because my blood was like continually flowing. It was just like, but as an athlete, our, we have good blood flow. I've got good blood flow. But you, you also, you also have to, you had to lay off a couple Yeah, I got to lay off turmeric and ginger, he said. <laughs> he has... <laughs> They have no idea how much turmeric and so ginger. So turmeric and ginger definitely <laughs> you, play a part. You consume. Yeah. My tea is caked in it. So I have to back off on that. And it's been about a week now. So so they would cut a piece off and then they would go test it. And it would take 15 to 20 minutes. And I had my phone in my pocket. And it was everything I could do to not take the phone out and check social media, to text you and let you know what's going on. Although I know you were probably doing, you were teaching yoga at that point. So you wouldn't pick I up I did get anyway. a text from you like 45 minutes. I was like, oh shit, I should definitely be checking. Yeah, that was after round three. Checking my text. After my round three, I texted you. surgery. But just to have, sit there with that desire. Like sit there with that compelling desire to reach. It's right here. There's nobody in here. They left. I'm going to be here for 15 to 20 minutes. I can check my phone. Instead, this is really powerful. Instead... I chose to use what we talk about all the time, which is to shift your awareness and focus from whatever is trying to consume you, whatever thought is trying to consume your attention, and you shift to your breath, which is happening now. So shift to something that's happening now. And it was relentless, like just pick up your phone, just pick up your phone, just pick up your phone, just pick up your phone over and over. 
And I just sat there as the determined athlete that I have, that I am. And the, the mindset that I have is this is my experience to really practice this, come back to the breath. And I felt myself breathing in and just feeling that breath leave my body. And I just kept doing that again and again. And what's interesting is when the, um, the assistants would come in, there were two of them and they would trade off, I guess, uh, when they would come in, they would, you know, just to check and make sure I was doing okay. And I was really calm. I was like, yeah, I'm fine right now. And they could pick up on that energy and were curious as to how I was so calm, you know, like I want some, they kept joking. Like, I want some of that. I want, I want to be like that. How does someone get that? Uh, and so we were able to talk about meditation and, and bringing your awareness and shifting your focus. So this, this experience I had was all unfolding right in front of my eyes. Like this, this presence, acute focus on, on presence was allowing me to just enjoy everything about it, not having any attachment. And after that first time where they cleared, uh, cleared the cell or shaved a cell off or a layer off my forehead and checked it, I removed my mala beads and just started going through what I wanted to focus on was I am clear. Like I want them to come back and say, I am clear. I am clear. I am clear. And I think, what is there, 108 mm-hmm. beads? So I went around that three times. And the third time when they came back, it was, it was clear. And at that point, then they needed to stitch it up, uh, which is, I've definitely had stitches before. I think you've got about 16, like 15. 16 in my forehead now? Something like that, yeah. Um, he described that he would have to cut up. He'd have to do an incision up because he couldn't, the hole was too big to just cinch everything down. Like it would pull too, too much of my forehead down and move my eye up. And so they had to, they had to cut. Then, then you'd be on botched. <laughs> right. <laughs> my <laughs> the show that appearance. I watch when we're in hotel rooms. <laughs> so they cut up. And sort of made a T and then pulled everything together. But the, but the, it didn't stop there. When he was doing the lower stitches right above my eyebrow, the, the lidocaine stuff was not present in that area. And so as he started to stitch, he asked if I was doing okay because I was tensing my fingers up and I just allowed. I wanted to feel what it was like to do a stitch in my Unlidocaned skin and a very sensitive area right above the, the eyebrow. And he did, I, I was able to get through two stitches. So on either side, was able to get through two of them before it was, it was really intense. And I asked for more, um, protection basically, but I was present allowing that feeling, that pain, would I just... Yeah, so what, I, So I, I touched on pain a little earlier in the show. Like, what was, what was, um, like, was there any thoughts about, the, like, how were you approaching the pain? I, my natural reaction was to tense up. Yeah. And to have thoughts of, this is going to be painful. So I chose the opposite. I chose the opposite. I thought... This is just a healing and I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to release the tension in my hands. And so as I exhaled, the, the more I exhaled, the, the less tight my grip became. 
the less I was focused on the pain of the needle, the more I was in the, the allowing the healing to happen. Like this is part of the healing. That's all it is. It isn't a sharp pain. It's a healing. So when he gave you something to take the pain away, do you feel like, was there a Oh, there was a relief. There was a relief, mm-hmm. but you didn't, did you beat yourself up? Like, did you nope. say like, oh, nope. I, you lost that battle? No, not at all. It was time. I, I really just wanted to be aware of everything that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I was aware of that decision and I was completely satisfied with it. And, uh, yeah, he finished closing me up and that was it. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. I guess it's weird because I haven't experienced this much, but they just sew you up, tell you you're all set, tell you what you need to do. And then they kind of shuffle you out. And I got to say, man, I was so cold. I don't know if I had used up my energy to, to stay calm and focused, but I got, I had the chills and I like walk into the car and I get to the car. I'm like, should I be driving right now? Because I had this feeling, overwhelming feel, feeling inside. It might have been the shivering or it might have just been the relief, right? Because in times of, of uh, abnormal stress, your, height, your body and mind go to a heightened level of awareness, I believe. Um, the same thing, I would, I would equate it with when you do a fast, like when we were doing those fasts. And I would get to teach yoga and I would do a workout on the treadmill. Like my awareness was like, and this is on no food, was really heightened. So I was in the car and I just kind of was quiet the whole way home. I didn't listen to anything. Just sort of drove, felt it. Um, And yeah, it's the whole experience. So one, the whole experience allowed me to have that test mode of where I am, you know, it's kind of a check-in where, how are you doing in life? Like, how are you doing with your relationship to challenging circumstances? That was great. The second thing is not to get too stressed about how it's going to look. How is the, how long am I going to have to wait in line? Usually they say the appointments at six 30. So that means it's, I'm not going to be done until like nine. Like all of these things didn't, happen and they weren't really in my awareness. I just went with the flow. I just allowed the flow to happen. And it was one of the most seamless experiences in a hospital um, atmosphere that I've ever had. And maybe because I set that intention to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you created, you created all of that. Um, and then we also had our nothingness day the next day, which you, you picked that day. I picked it long before. Yeah. So it's like, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. They're the way we created them to be. They're always the way we, we're always creating. So if we're always creating, then how are things like, how are we saying that? Like, oh, well, you know, it's meant to be, or it was supposed to be. Well, for always creating, isn't it the way that we created it to be? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Taking ownership of that. Always. Experience you had. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was profound and you know then the then the stuff starts to happen like you go check the mirror and you're like i just can't wait to see the scars <laughs> like i had those stereo stereo strips yeah on them for two days and it started to bleed and my eye was starting to yeah then you had like two black eyes <laughs> two black eyes and <laughs> i could kind of uh, exaggerating but i probably had like 25 percent closure of my right eye I could still see, but you could see like something was blocking it. Anyway, it was a really good experience into you are not your body in so many ways. You're not that pain that the needle's going through. You're not, um, 
you're not the razor blade that's cutting your forehead. You're not what you look at in the mirror. It's just stitches and a scar. Like you're not this thing. It's just a body, right? We're so much more than that. And if, if someone comes up to you and says like, Oh, I, I can't talk to you because you have that <laughs> scar on your forehead. Like, all right, then I guess we're best supposed to not talk and that's okay. But that's not going to happen. It's just we, we, we catastrophize experiences to a whole new level when we're in pain and suffering and doubt and fear. And we're so self-absorbed and we're so vain. Yeah. Aren't we vain? Oh my God. We're so vain. We're so <laughs> vain. It's all right. We, well, we won't, we won't include everybody in that. We'll just say that BJ and I are vain. <laughs> no, seriously. Like I, when I did, um, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in the podcast before, but remember when I gave myself a chemical burn in my eye during a triathlon oh, yeah, yeah. and basically d- talk about pushing through, did this entire triathlon with one eye um, and in such incredible pain. I had a chemical burn from the solution that was in my goggles that I never rinsed out and got mixed in with salt water and it burned my eyeball and my uh, I was swollen shut for 10 days and I had to, thank goodness I was meditating during that time because I just laid there and, and meditated. Uh, but I had to let go of like, is this ever going to be like, I realized how vain I was and, and like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do if my eyes aren't how they've been my whole life? Like in letting go of that. And thankfully, uh, you know, it all came back, but these opportunities are such great opportunities. I mean, there's such great chances for us to detach and to let go. And to be grateful. How I don't know in that experience, I'm sure you did, but how grateful were you that you're you were still able to walk and uh, yeah. use your hands and to drink coffee and like all these little things that happen throughout our day and and we forget that we're doing them. Right. I'm still here podcasting. I'm still running every day. Like the grat, this, this level of gratitude. Uh, I think we just need to loop back on it more frequently. It's a practice. We got to yeah. flex the muscle. There's, there's so much that is automatic. There's so much about us that is efficient. Um, that is keeps us in this laziness of not being an inquiry of not being an acute gratitude. We, that we kind of, we blow by it. And, um, and that's why deepening our relationship with being present is so important so that we can take in the vastness of a moment. It's truly limitless. And there's so much going on in a moment. There's so much going on in a moment. Back to your point of, or what you're talking about before with the mind wants to create e- easiness. Like it wants to automate and which make things a habit, so which is cool. amazing. That's yeah. what it's supposed to do. And what we're saying is like somehow that gets into, it gets momentum into creating as many things as it can on automatic. But when we meditate and step back and separate ourselves from that process, we create a really good space in there that we can experience more moments that we can be awake to the, the, the gratitude of, you know, Clark right here dreaming, um, passed out in his bed. And, and then we're able to have this conversation with amazing mics and just do what we love. And we get to do that every day. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter the extremity of whatever suffering you have. There's so many levels so many levels. 
But most often people wait for those levels to happen before they start the appreciation and gratitude practice. And we're saying, just do it every day. Or I'm saying, do it every day. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful that, you know, that it happened to me, that I have the tools to navigate this, that somebody else didn't have to suffer. Like, that's pretty cool. Mm. I didn't look at it like that before. Yeah. Anyway, it's, 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 it's profound if you are, uh, if you're, if you're awake and ready to the experience immediately in front of you. There's always a gift in there. Always. Absolutely. And, you know, just a quick perspective from my side, watching this whole cancer thing evolve and grow on your forehead over the last couple of years, it was probably like, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. Now we were standing in the kitchen one night and, you know, is somebody like I'm of Irish descent. So every year I always get my skin checked. You know, maybe there's been times where it's been two years or three years, but regularly I've always had my skin checked and they just kind of freeze it off, whatever it is. And nothing's ever gone too long, thankfully. So grateful. And I just remember like there is that fire in me that's like, oh my God, why isn't he getting this taken care of? Like why he's like, it's like he's completely denying it and like, like getting all crazy about it. Cause I don't want you to have cancer. I don't want you to have skin cancer. I don't want that to happen. So all of this is going through my head and we're like making dinner or whatever. And you're looking at me and of course you have no idea that anything's going on. And I just like, I just said to myself, well, he, that might just be exactly what he, like, he's going to take it to. He might take it there. He might take it to skin cancer. He's going to be okay. Like, okay, he might take it there. He might have to have surgery. Um, it might cost us thousands of dollars. Um, but I really believe he's going to be okay. And I got to step back and I got to let him have this path. And so you did and you're okay. And so you have a scar and, you know, we'll pay the bill, whatever it's, you know, it's, this is an abundant universe. Well, this is a game. We just keep getting better at playing it. And so it's so hard as the person who loves you so much in this life, maybe, you know, the most, um, to allow you to suffer and to, and to do things that in a way that like, I wouldn't do them, but you're not me. And, and so if, you know, if your spouse is delaying on something or you're delaying (laughs) on something and your spouse is, is hounding you to do it, like, and maybe if I was hounding you, we'd go back into this old pattern, right? Where you would defend and then I would ah, have to just let the fire burn out. But maybe just get curious, like, am I denying something? Am I delaying something? Am I being rash on something? Am I trying to get into somebody else's lane and drive their car when they're not asking me to? And that is so hard as a spouse, I think, as a parent, um, as a girlfriend, as a, a boyfriend, a partner, like a child, whatever it is, like we see there is so much suffering in this world. And, um, but we don't know, I don't know your full soul's journey. I don't know 
everything about what you're here to learn, but I know that what you just went through got you to the other side of something with a lot more clarity than me strapping you in the car and driving you and making you do it. Right. You didn't steal the experience from me. I didn't steal the experience from you. And I am internally grateful for that. doesn't mean that. that it was easy. No, it does, doesn't give it a, your past to cruise on by. Right. Like we're in this together, you right? You've got suffering. Now I got to look at this right. scar for the rest of my... No, I think it's actually pretty cool. Right. I maybe, think, I'll just, I think maybe I'll just leave the stitches in. No, I would say get the stitches out. Right. And then we'll... But I think it's it's badass. Yeah. I've been trying to get you to get a tattoo. I think you just got a tattoo. <laughs> See? Stay in your own lane, Jess. Stay in your own lane. But I think that that's so important. I mean... Absolutely. And you've given me great practice with this. Like when you had that terrible injury that... You know, like I literally had to get come to peace with like, hey, listen, if he keeps going dark and I keep going up, like this marriage isn't going to work, right? So I've had to put some things out on the table and just surrender them to my higher intelligence and trust that everything is always working out for me. And if it's always working out for me, that means it's always working out for you. And whatever your individual journey is, it's always working out for you. It is. But we will because we're stubborn, because we have weird conditioning because we've had trauma in our life that we will get, it's going to get a little rough and tumble, but start cultivating that belief into your cellular being that everything is always working out for you. More allowing, less controlling. Yeah. I think it's a good Yeah. If good we want to control, like let's control ourselves. Let's yeah, get control that what power, we can do. bring that power in and get power under control, which is the the ultimate power, is power under control. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We've got some great podcasts coming up. Yeah, we've been so blessed. This, I mean, talk about amazing creation. This pandemic, starting off with Brian Kest, amazing yogi, Sean Korn, unbelievable, Julie Pyatt, Blew me away. David G. David G. Love David G. Um, you guys, we have, this community has been blessed with four, uh, I mean, so many amazing yogis, but during this quarantine to have those four on this podcast, like that is so divinely brought to us. And, uh, so I feel so grateful that that's all out in the universe. Yeah. yeah. Just going to keep the momentum. Yeah. Keep momentum moving. Lots of good stuff ahead. So if you guys want to join us for yoga, you want to become part of the um, Yogi Triathlete community, get on Patreon, patreon.com slash Yogi Triathlete. We'd love to see you. Yes, Come to would. our classes. Uh, reach out to us if you, you know, races are going to happen. So if you're training and want to take that to the next level, or if you're thinking about training, like now's a great time. Races are going to be here next year. So keep that momentum, or this is the time to build the momentum, and let's let's get this uh, awake and ready life going. Awesome, love yeah. it. Cool. Thanks, babe. Thank you. Thanks, Clark. 